This is Blue Collar Culture, where you don't need ping pong tables, a cereal bar, or nap pots to attract and retain real A players. Join us where we speak with down-to-earth leaders that understand what it takes to win with a blue collar culture. Now here are your hosts, Jeremy McLiver and Ryan England. Hey, my name is Ryan England. I am your host here today. Welcome back to another show. Hey, I've known today's guest for a little while now, and it wasn't until someone called me out and said, how come he hasn't been on your show yet? That it made me think, wow, I need to fix that. So our guest today is Josh Zolan. He's the CEO of Windy City Equipment. They're a leading commercial facilities maintenance company specializing in HVACR and kitchen equipment. And he's grew up in the trades. He's been doing this for a long time. And he literally wrote the book on what it takes to get started in the trades. It's no secret right now that there is a labor shortage in the trades. It's no secret that a lot of the younger generation has turned away from the trades and said, I want to go do something else. I want to be an influencer or a TikTok star, or I want to go into software development. And they've turned away from this. There are so many things right now stacked against us as employers when it comes to getting the next generation excited about getting into the trades. But in Josh's book, he builds an amazing case for why blue collar jobs are the way to go in the future. So I'm really excited for today's conversation. Make sure that if you've thought about any way to bring new people into your apprentice program or your training program, if you've thought about that, maybe struggled or need a new set of ideas, today's show is for you. Hey, Josh, I'm excited to have you here on the show today. So tell me, what is one of the biggest myths that you see in the trades right now? Yeah, absolutely. And so many to choose from. But first off, thank you for having me on the show, Ryan. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I've been eyeballing this podcast for a long time, and it's just an honor to finally be on it. (laughs) I'm excited to have you here. This is going to be a great conversation today. I'm looking forward to it. So one of my favorite topics is the myths of the trades, right? And I think the one that stands out over anything else is that the skilled trades are a second-rate career, right? It's what you do if you can't cut it in college, It's what you do if you're not smart enough to do what all the rich people do. It's just that fallback for a career, right? That people don't really appreciate. They don't really give any kind of merit to. Again, it's just, if you can't cut it going the college route, hey, you can always be an HVAC tech or hey, you can always be a contractor or a carpenter or a bricklayer, whatever it may be. Yeah, I hear you on that. It's almost like it's the dropouts. That's where they go, right? Like those that were rejected by the system can go into the trades and make a lot of money (laughs) getting to do something they enjoy. But, you know, we won't talk about that yet. Well, you want to know one of the sad parts about it is that I'm sure that some of the older generation listening might be able to relate to this, but there used to be a course in high school called the industrial arts, right? And the industrial arts is basically shop class, right? But it's kind of where all the losers and rejects. You guys can't see me, but I'm doing air quotes right now. Yeah. But that's where they were all sent because nobody thought that they would be able to succeed anywhere else. But the problem is then all the people that were sent there actually adopted this mindset too, right? So a lot of the people in the skilled trades think that they're in the skilled trades because they couldn't do anything else. That's one of the perceptions that we've got to shatter. I'm going to date myself here, but as you were talking about that, it made me think of the movie Grease. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. they were all the dropouts. They were all the rejects. And That's they were in it, shop man. class together. 
and that's exactly what we do in the trades. We sing and we dance. And (laughs) (laughs) so come on down, man. Yeah. So you wrote a book on this. You're published author. I know your book goes to a lot of schools because really, if we are not, and I wholeheartedly, if we don't get in front of the next generation of workers, and when they're young, before they're influenced to be a TikTok star, right? Like, because that's the thing now. <laughs> yeah. If we don't get in front of them and we don't say, hey, there is these great lucrative careers that, by the way, are never going to go away because this infrastructure here, like you can't be replaced with robotics. You can't replace with technology. Like it can't be done. Now, are those things going to come and help the trades? Absolutely. Like we're not going to ignore that, but you need human beings with their hands and their eyeballs and their brains out there doing this stuff. And so you wrote a book on this. So tell me a little bit about the book. What was your motivation for that? And how is this something that our listeners can use to really help them start thinking bigger about how do I grow my future team? Yeah, absolutely. So a couple thoughts on that, right? And you're absolutely right. Technology can't replace skilled tradespeople, right? I always have this image in my head of a Roomba trying to climb a ladder. It just doesn't work. But in all seriousness, you're right as far as that's concerned. So the book, this was a passion project of mine, right? I own a company in the skilled trades. We repair HVAC and kitchen equipment commercially. So I've lived it. I've been in the trades. Prior to being in the trades, I was on the opposite end. I never went to college, but I wasn't working with my hands. Let's just put it that way. So anyway, once I got involved in the trades and I was able to see the opportunities that existed... I got to thinking, because I'm a lifelong learner, right? I try to learn any way, shape, or form that I can. And when I was in the trades and I was coming up the ranks, I couldn't find any material, right? I couldn't find any guides or any literature or anything to tell me what to expect or what kind of opportunities existed or what kind of pitfalls to be aware of. There was just nothing like that out there. And so... Fast forward a few years, right? I began to grow the company that I was working with. And I started to understand that the skilled trades were more than just a second rate career. I got to really understand as I was bringing on new technicians and competing with all of these other companies in my area, I saw what these guys were making, right? And what they were asking for coming in full benefits and $35 an hour and I mean, this was 10 years ago, 15 years ago. So you can only imagine what that looks like today. But at the time, right at the time, I still that kept ringing in my head that there was nothing to tell the world that this was the case. Unless you were in the trades or you had family in the trades, there was no way to really know that you could make this kind of money or you could be this successful in the trades or that there were this many opportunities and trajectories. So once I was able to move up in the ranks even more doing what I do, I thought it was time to inform the people that needed to be informed. And what I mean by that is parents, educators, children, children in high school, high school age, and I'm going to get to that in a minute. But the book really kind of highlights this, right? Highlights what it means to be in the trades, who should go into the trades, how you move through the trades and how this industry can affect your success, however you define that success. And it's really written in a way, it was very difficult to walk this line, but it's written in a way that it speaks to young people, right? With the language that young people use while also providing enough 
facts and references to where educators can see it as a viable resource, right? So walking that line was a little bit tough, but once I released it and once I started to get all this feedback and everything, and it was a great success, right? I mean, I'm blessed. People really just love the book and that's fantastic. But I got to understand that if we really want to make a difference in this industry, it's got to start well before high school. That's my main demographic, right? And some of this language I use in the book is very questionable. You can't put it in front of a, an elementary age kid. But that's how deep this perception is ingrained in our society. By the time kids reach the age to where they're going to determine what they're going to do for their career for the rest of their life, they already have an ill perception or no perception of the skilled trades because they haven't been talked to about it when they were younger. So that's the ultimate reason why I wrote the book and kind of the basis that it covers. Hopefully in the future, there'll be an edited version I can give to. (laughs) Give to the elementary kids. Yeah. No, and I've read the book and it's a good book. It's a quick read too, which I really like. I didn't get hung up on a lot of stuff. Some great testimonials in there. You bring up some examples of people who didn't think they could make it in the trades and they made it. And it was really great to see that you're not just theoretical about it, right? Like you're walking the walk, you're taking people through it. Really good book for anybody who wants to think about, is there another path besides college? And I know that's a big piece of the book is you're really comparing, contrasting this to the typical way of get out of high school, go to college, get a degree, hopefully get a decent job spend the next decade paying off your student debt, right? Like that's kind of what we tell our kids these days. Yeah. And I'm with you on that. And I think one of the things that we talk a lot about over here at Core Matters is just, I think that the industry has done itself a disservice. You were talking about how the kids don't get taught that this is an option for them at a young age. And it's not the kids, just so we're clear. It's not the kids that are choosing this. It's their parents saying, no kid of mine is going to be a plumber because plumbers smell and there's butt crack jokes and there's all these other things about being a plumber. No kid of mine is going to go tell people they're a plumber. And I am not going to tell my friends that my kid is a plumber. My kid is going to go do something respectable. I think that's the mindset. And I think this is unfortunate, but there is a whole group of companies out there that have been causing people to look at these industries as lesser than because of their marketing because of the way they talk about the industry and frankly, because of the way they've treated some of the people in the past. That's right. You're absolutely right. Funny story about that. Speaking of plumbers, right? So I've got a podcast as well. Same name as the book, Blue is the New White. And I had interviewed this guy. His name is Bob, but I interviewed this guy and he's a plumber by trade, right? He owns his own plumbing company now. But when he was in high school, he went to his counselor and he told his counselor, hey, I want to be a plumber. My dad's a plumber and I want to be a plumber. His counselor looked right at him and said, you're too smart to be a plumber. Go to college, right? For computer programming. So he did and he failed and he flunked, right? And he was down on himself, hard on himself, got back into plumbing, didn't want to. Well, now the guy's got a multi-million dollar business plumbing. I mean, the dude's pulling seven figures a year personally. And it's like, if he would have listened to his counselor and not gotten back into the trade, I mean, God knows what he'd be doing. It's a sad truth, but it's the truth these days. Yeah. I think that's something that I think you do really well in the book is for those parents that are open to the kids reading the book. I know you work with a lot of schools on the book. It really just kind of opens their eyes to say, hey, there is another path and it's a reputable path. Like it's something that I can be proud of. 
I mean, look at you in HVAC and you've got your own company and you've got your own podcast. Like just because you go into the trades doesn't mean you have to stop at being a technician. And I think there's that belief, right? Like I'll just be a plumber for the rest of my life, but your friend here <laughs> making seven <laughs> figures, and you're never going to do that working for someone else. No, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, and that perception that's been ingrained into us and hey, a plumber just must fix toilets all day long for the rest of his life until he dies. And that's just not the case. When you talk about the college education, the college route, I think it's important for people out there to know I'm not anti-education, right? I'm pro the right education for the right individual. And we're naive to think that every single person and every single student in the school system right now fits in this neat little box that they're well-equipped or well-suited for college, or even more so that that's what they want to do. Even if they are well-equipped and suited for that environment, some people just love to work with their hands, right? And so for me personally, and what I preach about is we know that the college is, is astronomical in price. You had made a comment about paying off student loans for the next decade, and it's true. It's sad, but true. It's a trillion-dollar debt crisis right now in the student loan industry. And not many people know, I mean, they're not forgivable, right? If you were to go bankrupt or anything like that, you can't forgive the student loans. You still owe on that. That's a very impeccable system for those who loan, <laughs> for those who write these loans, but not so much for the individual. And so for me, it boils down to the ROI, right? And college can be beneficial if you know for a fact that you want to be a doctor, that you want to be a lawyer, that you want to be a CPA, and hats off to you. We need you guys too. But the buildings that you work out of, don't forget who built them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And that's just the bottom line. And so it's about the ROI. And when you talk about the skilled trades, the apprenticeships that are available and some of the unions that are out there and stuff like that, you can get paid to get this education instead of paying an arm and a leg and digging yourself a hole of debt through your formative years. And in the book, I've actually got spreadsheets and diagrams of where somebody who the typical wage when you come out of college compared to your typical wage if you were to just jump into the trades right after high school. And it surprises some people right, that those wages are very similar to one another and some really startling statistics that revolve around that as well. But this is the stuff that needs to be talked about, Ryan, and nobody's talking. You and I are talking, but this has to circulate through the school system because it's about the success of the next generation. It's not about the success of the school. It's not about the success of the counselor or the teacher, right? It's about the collective success of our entire economy and our country and each individual child. So anyway, I kind of went down a rabbit hole there. That's No, no, no. So I'm going to shift us a little bit after that, because I think it was a great tee up why you do this, the book, the value it can bring. You know, I work with a lot of business owners all over the country. And one of the questions they always ask me is, how do I find people that don't know the trade exists? Like, I want to build an apprenticeship program. I've got a really robust training program. I'll take someone who has kind of that foundational, those behaviors and those skills that make for someone being good in the trades. I'll take them and I will teach them the trade, but I can't find them. I don't know where to get them. I don't know how to get in front of them at the schools. I don't know how to do these things. So what advice would you have for those people that say, I've got this apprenticeship program, 
And I can take a lot of people right now are saying, hey, maybe military vets, right? Like you just got out of the military and it's a great career transition. You still get to work with your hands. You get to have that team environment that you had there. Or these kids coming out of high school that don't really want to go to college, but they feel like their parents are forcing them. Can we get in front of them and let them know these opportunities exist? And I mean, that's what you do a lot with the schools. So how can our listeners, those business owners that are thinking, I'm ready to build for the next generation, but I don't know how to get started. How can they get started with that? Well, that's not an easy question to answer by any means. Now, it's the question I've been trying to answer for the last three years, ever since the book came out. But there's a couple of things that we can do. Number one, from marketing play, right? We need to kind of appeal a little bit better to that next generation. And this is sort of the intangible long-term stuff. I'll get into the short-term stuff in a minute. But a big reason why nobody wants to come into this industry is because of the reputation of the industry. It was different 25 years ago, 50 years ago. That's what the parents remember, right? And their parents remember. And we're not in the same position we are or we were back then. So we have to market it and let them know that, hey, you know what? It's hard work, but guess what? We're using a ton of awesome technology, technology that these young people are starting to are actually using as well. Our industry is starting to use that technology too. So that could create some more of that appeal. Because I think when people think of the skilled trades, they think tools and irons and hammers. And I mean, they just, it's a hard concept for them to even understand that, hey, there could be technology involved. But really, above and beyond that, and working on your culture, which you know something about, obviously, blue collar culture, and working on that to actually get in front of these students, it takes a big push. And I don't like talking about what everyone's already doing, right? Everyone's already recruiting out of, trade schools. Everyone's already posting these job ads, looking for apprentices. It's really about where are the people, how do you get them before they make the decision to go to college because the right decision may not be college, right? And I think that takes a bigger push in the high schools, getting in touch with the school counselors because they hold the key. If you can convince the counselors that this is a good career path, they will convince the students that this is a good career path. So I think we might be focusing on the wrong thing. We're focusing on the individual, not who influences the individual, which is, again, why I wrote the book. But to reach out to your local high schools and actually take a meeting with the counselor and say, and look, bring my book if it helps, <laughs> but have a meeting with the counselors and say, listen, this is what your students can do. Coming in, I'll give them 18 bucks an hour to start, right? I mean, 19 bucks an hour sometimes to start, not having any experience whatsoever. And that's what this industry is demanding right now. It's amazing. And if you actually do the calculations on 18 bucks an hour, and chances are you're going to get raises over the next four years, what are you going to be making in four years? Put this in front of the counselors, show them so they can help do that recruiting for you. I think that that's a big thing that we miss. And then the other thing is also encourage your team to have that same mindset to adopt that same mindset. Because again, I think you alluded to it earlier in the show. Hey, I don't want you doing what I do. We don't want you being in the trades. That's a big thing right now with some of the older generation that are in the trades. They think that college is the best path because that's what they were taught. And so that's where they're pushing the next generation because they think that it's better. When in reality, it's a different day and age and that may not be the case anymore. Yeah. As you were talking, I had this, I know there are a lot of companies out there, especially they've been around in the community for a while. They'll sponsor a little league or they'll get involved in, in some of the youth sports. And 
they do it, yes, to give back to the community, but there's always that ROI, right? Like I'm investing in these kids. Maybe their parents will take notice. Maybe the kids will take notice. I could see, especially if you're sponsoring a high school football team or something like that, as part of your sponsorship agreement, like everybody gets a copy of your book, not to sell more books for you, Josh, but it's a way to get the books in front of the students. And that's what we need is for them to get this message. And that's why I thought it would make so much sense for you to be on the show with me today, because there is a lot that we can do to get in front of the kids, but it's going to take a team effort. You're not going to do it by yourself. None of our listeners are going to do it by ourselves. It's a little bit of effort over a long period of time. We'll get this in back. This didn't get broken. I always ask people if they've ever remember that picture. I think it was from the 30s. It's a New York skyscraper and everybody's sitting on the I-beam and they're all eating lunch. And I've heard stories of kids growing up going, I want to do that when I get older. It used to be cool to be in the trades and it's not anymore. I mean, the trades are cool. Don't get me wrong. I mean, that's my entire focus. But for whatever reason, knowledge work has come out, TikTok and all these Facebook things. And that's what people want to do now. They all want to be an influencer, right? Well, and I think pivoting how we like expanding on what we were talking about earlier, pivoting how we talk about what it is that we do, right? You mentioned everybody wants to be a TikTok star and that's great. Wonderful. I wonder what the world would look like, but- Wouldn't have any place to live. I can tell you that. There'd be no places (laughs) to work, but hey, we would have our videos. That's right. But if we were to pivot the conversation, right? To, hey, these phones have to charge, don't they? You have to plug these phones into something to actually get them to work so you can be on TikTok and your friends can be on TikTok. You know who supplies that electricity? It's electricians, right? This stuff is all around us, Ryan, and it's just taken for granted, right? Like that sock on the dryer. It's just, you walk past it a million times a day, so you don't give it a second thought. But how do you get to work in the morning? You need mechanics. How do you remain comfortable in your office? You need HVAC. How do you get the electricity for your TikToks? It's... It's electricians. How come you're not exposed to the elements? It's glazers who make the windows. I mean, when you look outside your window and everything isn't rubble, right? It's because people are out there paving roads and planting trees. And I mean, it's everywhere. You can't throw a rock without hitting something that's a result of the trades. And I think that there's so many different ways to relate it to anything that you do as an industry. We're kind of failing to do that. We just, we're perpetuating, hey, come fix HVAC. Hey, come fix toilets. Yeah. So what are some ideas, maybe some things that you've seen work? Because you've been in the industry for a while and you wrote the book on this. What are some things our listeners could do if they really want to start getting in front of just the next generation? I mean, just don't even go to the schools, just like figure how can they get in front of the next generation? Well, again, you got to start speaking their language, right? And as much as everyone doesn't want to hear it, I'm going to say it, be on TikTok, Right. I mean, listen, and I hope that doesn't sound super hypocritical. I'm not on TikTok yet, but it doesn't mean I don't know that I should be. But again, if you want, if we really want to make a difference, we've got to do things that we haven't done before, right? If we want to attract a generation that's never been in the trades, we have to do it by means of ways that we haven't tried. And social media is a big one. You're seeing more now, I think. Because there's a lot of tradespeople. This thing about tradespeople is they take a lot of pride in their work, right? When you're in the trades and you're working with your hands and you're fixing this stuff, you want to show people, you want to tell people because it's awesome. It really is. You get a great sense of accomplishment. So where I'm going with that is that there's a lot of tradespeople out there that have Instagram accounts now and TikTok accounts, um, maybe a little more Instagram than TikTok at this point. 
but Facebook groups and they're starting to filter in on LinkedIn a little bit more. So we're getting there. We're just not all the way there. And I think that if we could as an industry, that we'd be able to change some minds, right? Not all the minds, but definitely some. I mean, if I had my guys on TikTok showing how we use cranes to set units on rooftops and stuff like that, and we've got people directing and using hand signals and stuff like that. I mean, there's people out there that'd be interested. Or how about the view of the sunrise or the sunset when you're up there on the roof fixing a swamp cooler or whatever it may be, or using that same thing to highlight some of the things that the trades give you an opportunity to do that you wouldn't otherwise have an opportunity to do. Like there's a resort at the bottom of the Grand Canyon called Phantom Ranch. I don't know if you ever heard of it, but there's a wait list to get on it. You have to wait like three years to get on it. I think it was like six years ago, something like that. They called us. They had a problem with a piece of equipment. So I had to send a technician down. There's only two ways to get down, mule or helicopter. Yeah. Unfortunately, they weren't willing to spring for the helicopter, but he <laughs> did get to go down on a mule, right? <laughs> his tool bag on one mule and him on another. And this is a true story, but he went all the way down the mountain, got him fixed. He was able to stay at that resort overnight for free, actually got paid to stay overnight, his hourly wage plus per diem, you know, <laughs> <laughs> To stay in this resort that you couldn't otherwise get a reservation to, no matter how hard you tried. So, you know, if we could highlight some of this stuff, and that's only one small example, I've heard people flying all over the world for repairs and things like that. It just it happens all the time. So, to answer your question, I think we need to up our marketing game a little bit. Yeah, let people know that this stuff is cool. It really is cool. And I get that a lot of it, especially if you've been in the trades a while, like you take it for granted, like, ah, it's the same thing over and overnight, but it's not. And for the people that don't know, the stuff that you do is cool. Like, I know that you guys just at your company, you record all of this stuff and you've got your technicians walking people through it. And I've seen some of those things. I'm like, this is cool stuff. I'm a little geek when it comes to (laughs) some of the stuff in the trades, but The idea is, is I think we really do need to up our game. We need to let people know it's cool. And I love what you said, go where the next generation is. Don't expect them to come to us anymore. They're on TikTok. There's probably social medias I don't even know exist because I'm not (laughs) that generation. But that's where the high schoolers are. Go get in front of them there. And one of the things we coach is stop putting so much effort into getting new customers. Start putting your marketing effort into getting new employees. And I think that's right in line with what you said. Hey, Josh, I really enjoyed it. I love hearing you talk about this. The passion comes through. The excitement comes through. I know there are people listening that want to get a hold of you, either because they want to buy a bunch of books to give to that little league team, or they just want to consume more of this content and just be more around the ideas that you have. Let us know how we can get a hold of you. Yeah, I'm uh, at Josh Zolan everywhere on social media. My mainstay is LinkedIn. So if you look me up on LinkedIn, you'll be able to get a hold of me, no problem. Also, bluesthenewwhite.com. There you can sign up for the mailing list and stay in touch with everything that we're doing as far as marketing efforts and podcasts and anything else that we do to help that next generation become more aware of the trades. But yeah, man, it's been fun. I really appreciate it, Ryan. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Just very, very, very happy that somebody else is in my court with this and all of your listeners as well. So I appreciate it, man. Thanks for being on the show, Joss. I've enjoyed it. The Blue Collar Culture Podcast is sponsored by BlueCollarCulture.com. We help entrepreneurs create a healthy culture and build a self-managing business. 
To learn more, go to bluecollarculture.com.